Hey everyone, James Labrie from Dream Theater, and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. You're dialed into Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Be a part of the show live every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Facebook, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, or the CMSNetwork.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode, an epic episode, as it were, of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com. We are live right here at those four locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to catch video replays of the show, just go to our YouTube page or check out Heavy Metal Television. And if you'd like to download the audio version of the podcast, just Google Talking Into Infinity Podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, please remember to click that like and subscribe button so that you get notified every single time we go live. Without further ado, I'll bring in my great friend and co-host. He is an epic co-host, Mr. Brian Hendrickson. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. I'm trying to think of something intelligent to say right now. So obviously, I'm completely stumped, as you would, as you would. Right? <laughs> well, hey, I used the same really, really terrible joke twice in a row. Thanks to our buddy Adam Rishog in the chat. So <laughs> this will be giving... epic, literally. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, let's look. Here we go. Kale McLeish says, "Let's do this." Then Adam Rishog, like I say, I stole his joke. Said, "This is going to be epic." Tom Cullen, evening gentlemen, good to see you, man. JG3 is here. Anyone here like a band called Dream Theater? They play long songs. <laughs> Robert Reams, good evening all. Good to see you, Robert. Uh, there we go. Adam Rishog, have to ask, thoughts on the new James Labrie single? We actually have news about that, don't we, Brian? We do. We are going to be um, conducting an interview with, what's the guy's name again? Uh, I have to get the correct pronunciation, but I, I, I believe it's Logue, but uh, it's Paul Logue. Our buddy Aiken says Loge, but uh, I think it's Paul Logue, but okay. he is from Eden's Curse, and he is James's co-writer on the new record, and we will be interviewing him on Sunday morning this week, so we are going to be pre-recording that one, but uh, we will have him on, so we are going to be talking to him all about the new Labrie record, so that's going to be really cool, and uh, I think you, know, you were in agreement with me, Brian. It might be kind of cool to hold that one back until the record's actually out. And yep. do a you know a beautiful shade of gray episode. So um, yeah. that that's gonna be fun, man. It'll be cool to like you know get into the nuts and bolts of that one because this is kind of a different record for James. It's very um, like you said, we won't go too in depth on it, but it's a kind of eclectic, I guess, almost is the word. A little bit sort of bluesy ish, rockish, you know. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty far departure from the other stuff. So I don't know what the rest of the album's like, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I you know one of one of the main things I want to ask about is you know James has been saying this for a while that you know oh well you know he he kind of went back to like the four chord structure like if you were just you know you and a friend with a guitar just strumming chords you know kind of stripping it down to the simplicity of a song at its core 
And, you know, it kind of sounds like that with Devil and Drag, the new single. But Wayne told us that it's a heavy record. So I'm really interested to hear it. And getting some stories about the writing of it is going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to talking to that guy. So Gibson Les Paul has a question for you, Brian. Uh, Brian, did you get Sabaton tickets? Uh, no, I know that they're... Who are they coming with? First of all, somebody. I didn't know there was a Cleveland show. I don't think so. I think it's Cincinnati. Yeah, that's that's probably why. Yeah, okay. Because I, I remember looking. They're, they're, aren't they opening for... Who the hell is it? They're opening for somebody. Um, but yeah, that's the reason I didn't, because it's not going to be here in Cleveland. Otherwise, trust me, I'd be all over that. <laughs> why don't you road trip, man? We road trip for Sons of Apollo and Dream Theater. Uh, well, who am I going to road trip with? You don't like Sabaton. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> road trip like, by myself. I've done it. Why can't you? <laughs> I mean, this is a band you almost never get to see in America, dude. I mean, I would I would do it if I were you. Why not? Well, we'll see. I have to look into it more. If Gibson Les Paul wants to go and promises not to be too annoying, maybe I can meet up with him or something. Oh, there you go, Gibson. You, you have a show invite to hang out with Brian at Sabaton in Cincinnati. The mandate. I can't wait. <laughs> mandate nice speaking of awesome. shows are we going to go to the testament or not i think we should go i'm i'm considering it that, that's what may yeah it's literally i think the day after symphony x which i'm going to have to go to probably by yeah. myself we're <laughs> <laughs> well, going to well, go to two shows in a row i think it's like the 10th and the 11th i think they're like back to back well, here's another insider thing. You and I are doing an episode of Discography Discussion, a phenomenal music podcast. Uh, and uh, we are going to be talking about the entire discography of Symphony X. So keep an eye out for that. So I'll be listening to Symphony X, dude. For all I know, I might really get into it. <laughs> I, I, I might get into it, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go to the show together. We'll, we'll have to see. So, wow, look at this, Brian. International. Marvin Zimmerman says greetings from germany thanks for your great work always fun to listen to your podcast and overall great to hear about other people's passion for the band that's awesome marvin we really appreciate that thank you man germany what time is it there that's crazy good for you man grüß gott grüß gott wie geht es ihnen that means drums schlagzeug pronounce it right dude i took nine years of german you're, you're, you're embarrassing yourself das Klavier. <laughs> oh there you go brian gibson les paul says brian meet me and the guys in new york city and i'll be at testament too so there you go you've got show invites just go to new york city man from cincinnati to new york city <laughs> wait a minute robert Reem says he's gonna be at symphony x he's like in uh oh there you go isn't he in niles niles or warren uh, yeah, where are you, Robert? I, f I forget. I know you're not way out east like your sister is. The Robert Reams is my best friend's uh, brother-in-law, so that's how I know him. That sounded oh. weird. You're not as far out as your sister. Like <laughs> <laughs> That was a questionable remark right there, but... Um all right, so yeah, people are, are you know speaking up about Symphony X. So yeah, when uh, when when that episode is released, we'll let you guys know. Discography discussion is a great great show. I think I think they're on like almost 250 episodes now and they've talked about i mean you wouldn't even believe the bands they've talked about they've been around for years and uh, I'm, I'm good friends uh with the, with uh, their host joe and i've done obviously a dream theater episode uh, i did a motley crew episode i just did a guns and roses episode and was a little drunk and i sound like a pushy dick so i'm a little embarrassed about that that was their most recent episode but i'll be doing the van halen episode this summer and then like i said brian you and i in two weeks will be doing symphony x I, I will so, do a shameless plug for you. The Motley Crue one was actually pretty good. That was I enjoyed that. That was funny. Well, thank you. So look thank that you. one up. That was like 
two, uh, 2021, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Went it was like, like late last year. I think. I think, or, yeah. Oh, so. Joe Gebhardt's here. What's up, Joe? Good to see you, man. How's it going? All right. So let's get into tonight's topic here. So here we go. All right. So, okay. Real quick. I got Okay. So, so Marvin Zimmerman said, Grüß Gott. Oh, he's even got the umlaut and the uh, SZ. So there we go. Um, not S set. What is, what's the B thing? Damn it. Marvin, I'm making an ass of myself now. He says it's, uh, man, it's, it's after midnight there. Nice. I should know that too. Cause I took seven years of German, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah. This is, this here's, is, here's the thing. If that's truly an umlaut, wouldn't it be Mertley crew? <laughs> that's the whole point, dude. It's just to make it look cool. I know. So, all right. So let's get into tonight's topic here. So, we are going to be ranking the epic Dream Theater songs. And we did have a little bit of criteria here. So, why don't we discuss what we are and are not using? So, I think it's, you know, to me, I, I've described this like Kale and I talked offline. I, to me, it's like there's a certain feel you get. Like, I, I use the word visceral. A feel you get when you mention a song because you brought up songs like Ministry of Lost Souls. Uh, you know, we looked up by song length that would have included uh, In the Name of God. And when you think of songs like that, and then you think of songs like Octavarium, Octavarium just feels different. So I think we were kind of on the same page in terms of what we're using as the basis for our list tonight. Or did you have like a wild disagreement anywhere? I don't have a wild disagreement. I do think that there's two songs on our list that fit more in the um, the name of God, um, Nightmare to Remember. What else did we? Great debate. The 15-minute uh, Ministry of Lost Souls, the 15-minute era. They kind of fit in that vein. And we have the rest of these that are like these sort of epic with multiple movements you know and one's multiple songs even um so it's a little tough you know for me yeah i mean the thing to me is that there are multiple songs with movements like trial of tears has movements to it but it's you know what like a 13 minute song so okay i mean it, it there is there is kind of you know there is kind of that gray area yeah yeah, By the well, way, I, I think we I, had to decide that uh, I can hear your cat in the background. That's what I was going to say. I apologize, guys. My cat Bubba got into the room tonight, and he's he's seventeen and pushy, so <laughs> I apologize. But anyway, uh, continue. Well, I think we had to. You you're, you came up with this list of six originally. I was kind of against it, and then the more I thought about it, and I thought, well, I guess that makes sense, and it'd be more appropriate to sort of to debate a little bit what what is an epic song. I think your definition of it was probably pretty close. Okay. Um, Giovanni Palaya says, epics feel like you just watched a movie when it's over. <laughs> well, then we're definitely missing a couple. <laughs> For sure. JG3, my bowels have movements and they're pretty epic. <laughs> it's actually bowls. <laughs> I was going to say, JG, uh, uh, bowels is B-O-W-E-L-S, my friend. <laughs> but I, I, I was picking up what you were putting down. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So. Why don't, instead of us giving our list of six songs, why don't we just go through it and let people kind of guess where we'll be? So I'm going to let you start. Uh, we'll start at number six. What do you have 
as your lowest rank. We do have six songs, by the way. Uh, so what do you have as your lowest ranked Dream Theater epic? Vacant. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rise of the Nomads. <laughs> Machine chatter. A little Dream Theater humor for you kids out there. Um, no, I put... Uh, I put Probably the obvious one, and I'm sure it's yours too. It's not gonna be a shocker. Illumination Theory. Okay, I've got that number six. Okay. So, uh, what are your reasons for that? Um. Well, I mean, ranked in this context, it's no context. It's nowhere near as as strong of a song. I just think for starters. Um, okay. It's kind of a big mosh mix of like just stuff going on. I do like the end part. And we'd already kind of talked about this, I think, on a previous episode. Um, but uh, I love the end part. Some of the vocals that James does, a kind of that mellower part, I think is pretty cool. But, you know, the production on this album, we've talked before. We don't, we're not huge fans of it. Yeah. And this one feels like it feels like I'm waiting 12, 13 minutes to get to that really cool James vocal part I like, other than maybe a couple little parts in, in the middle. Yeah. So I think it's firmly especially when you look at the rest of this list, I don't see how in the world you could rank it higher than this. Yeah. Uh, Gibson Les Paul says, okay, I'm leaving. Illumination theory is my number one. <laughs> does that mean, does that mean Brian now cannot meet you in New York city? <laughs> uh, Joe Gebhardt agrees with you, man. He says, I think the production takes a lot away from the song for me. Uh, I actually am going to shock the world, Brian. And uh, my number six, uh, I actually agree with you. That's why I'm shocking the world. I agree with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I th- this this one to me is just it's it's the one. Th- this was probably the easiest song that I've ever had to rank when we do our ranking episodes. Um, this one just never really did it for me. I mean, I it's 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 kind of grown on me as time has gone by. I mean, I do prefer the version from Breaking the Fourth Wall because, as you know, people have said in the chat, you know, the production. On the, you know, and you just said it yourself. The production on the record is is not not great, in, in, and that's that's relative because I mean, Dream Theater's production is so damn good all the time. Like if there was anybody any other band's production, you'd be like, "Holy shit, this sounds great!" But um, I, you know, the production takes away from it. Uh, to me, the biggest reason is that the parts just don't flow together. You know, it just kind of seems like they had a collection of ideas and then they just stuck them together. Like, remember that thing we tried but didn't work, but it was cool on its own? Yeah, we'll do that now. Like, it, it, it doesn't, like the rest of the songs on our list, like they flow together well. Th- this one does not. And that middle part with like the jungle noises and stuff, I mean, I get it's like an orchestral thing after a minute, but I'm like, what the hell is that? I mean, they've got other moments kind of like that later in our lists, but man, that just wasn't, you know... The one thing I will say, though, and you know, hopefully you agree with me, this does have some really cool heavy riffs in it. Yeah, there's some there's some decent riffs. I'm trying to remember. Isn't this like towards the end of the album? It's the last song. Yeah. Yeah. So it is the last song. Okay. So I think the problem with it is is there's no. You have a lot of kind of mostly sh- shorter type songs on this album in general, and. It's, a lot of those are, I think, the melodies are, are pretty strong on those. Even if we disagree on the production and we end up ranking this, you know, it, we do our rankings if it's ranked lower. There's still some decent melodies and some decent riffs on a lot of those songs, and they're they're shorter and stuff. And then you're kind of like, 
I think I'm just kind of done by the end of this album. I don't need all this, you know. <laughs> I, I, don't need, <laughs> I don't need this to, to be the way this album ends. Just end it with another kind of one of those seven minute, you know, looking glass type songs, you know, for me. I don't know. I've, I just felt like I, I'm kind of almost worn out halfway through this because it's not similar to everything else on there. And like you said, it's just, it's kind of a mix of stuff thrown in there. That, and, it's, uh, yeah, it just doesn't do for me. Okay. I mean, I, I, Travis Snyder, what's up, man? Good to see you. He says it feels a little too forced. Um, yeah. I mean, Brian, it's, it's weird because like, I, I will agree with you there. It's, it's weird on this one because, you know, they, they, they tried to, do their shorter songwriting or their long song their long songwriting structures but condense it into like the five minute type of you know format and so you've got all these like short songs then all of a sudden you've got the blam dream theater thing and i don't i i guess i don't see it the same way as you do because i i'm, I'm so used to dream theater doing that so for me i was like okay here, here's like a more normal dream theater song but to your point i could totally see why anyone would feel that way because you're like already through like you know an hour's worth of music at this certain style and all of a sudden it's just like here's this behemoth at the end you're like wow okay um kale mcleish he says this this almost feels less like a song and more like a haphazard medley of other songs arranged incorrectly yeah i mean it the, the parts just don't flow together like they do on their other on their other big ones you know um you know the the other thing I will say about you know about this one, and then we'll move on. Is uh, you love that James vocal at the end, and I do too. I love the vocals that James does at the end. I mean, he hits some crazy notes, and it's his like kind of like his metal voice. And yep. I, I you know I've been on record before saying I love when he does this that scream. It's like it's all over awake, and he kind of like revisited that you know at the end of this one. I thought that was great. So. I, I did enjoy you know certain parts of the song, but this is definitely number six for me. Moving on to number five, I will go with A View from the Top of the World. Uh, the song is growing on me as I listen to it more and more. And I, I you know, outside of Illumination Theory, the rest of the list is it it was a little difficult for me because I really enjoy the rest of the stuff on the list. So from this point on for me is kind of like I'm nitpicking. Because it's, you know, if someone, you know, listed the next five songs and said, you have to listen to only this today, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, the one thing I will say about it, it, it does, you know, we're using the word epic for this show. And this this definitely sounds epic. It sounds like, you know, oh, go achieve something. Go do this. Go do that. And, you know, um, you know Wayne's video for this song that, you know, is playing live just add something to it like it's when you're watching that and hearing the music it, it's 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 a very cinematic experience and i love that about this song so that's really cool uh you know and unlike illumination theory i think you know the parts flow together you know the song it, it doesn't really drag at any point it, it, it doesn't really have too many highs and lows but it also doesn't you're not kind of like okay where are we going with this like there's not really that drag point um and about three quarters of the way through the song, when it gets into the that metal part, that is really really cool. So I love that aspect of it. Uh, so what do you have as number five on your list? Number five, I have change of seasons. Oh, <laughs> what well, is you it with you? you? Can't have it that much higher anyway. We only got four songs left. Oh my god! Show me on the doll where a change of seasons touched you. <laughs> uh. So, man, 
You do not like this song. No, no, you know what? I actually like it more listening to it now, but I got to put it somewhere on here. Okay. I, okay, I'll be honest with you. I was back and forth like all day between that and View from the Top of the World between five and four. So okay. let's just get that out, of, out there right now. All right. I discovered something about this song. The more I listen to it, this song has early Ray Alder Fate's Warning written all over it. All over this song. Okay. I don't know why it didn't hit me until today. Like, no exit, perfect symmetry. Um, you know, they just kind of did, did this heavy, progressive, real dissonant sounding stuff. Um, you know, there's a little bit of 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 Queensryche warning in there, too. You know, it's yeah, you got to kind of look to find yeah. it in there, but it's in there, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, my young's bass playing. And I, I said this before about on this. Like, I love his bass playing on this. Like, I, he just really kind of grooves and drives on this one. Um, but, you know, my only complaint here is, is it's such a dark, dark kind of song there's never really any happy parts i don't even know if it hardly goes to a major key barely <laughs> um you know i like that softer part kind of towards the just quite a little bit past the middle where it's kind of you know it's sort of like uh, orchestral stuff behind james and maybe some piano and stuff and whatever but uh yeah this 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 is just a it really has that feel of fate's warning to me it's just a dark heavy brooding kind of a kind of a song that's lightened up a little bit by the keyboards and the orchestration and stuff and by okay. James' voice especially when he you know the stuff he kind of does towards the middle of the end there but uh yeah it's, it's growing on me more but i had to put it um i had to put it at five okay uh gibson les paul wanted to chime in on a view from the top of the world he said a view from the top of the world is boring i would have taken a piss when they played it live but i already did that during ministry of lost souls <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I I can totally understand why people think that that title song is boring. I, yeah. I, I really can't. It's not it's not a stretch to go. Oh my god, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? It it doesn't really move around a lot. Like you said, it kind of stays. I don't know what's the word we're looking for here. Consistent or I don't want to say middling because that sounds negative. But yeah, like you said, it doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. But but that song live. Even I'll say Ministry of Lost Souls as much as I don't like it, but that song live, View from the Top of the World, that really takes on a whole new thing. Like you said, you need those visuals. Or even if you're just on your, even if you're at home watching on your computer, like, ah, I want to I want to watch the video, you know, just kind of hearing the song is not, is nowhere near the same experience, at least in my eyes. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Uh, it's, you know, and, it's, and again, you know, um, it, you know, View from the Top of the World grew on me and, the visuals just add to it so i i love that man and you know to your point about you know a change of seasons i mean there are major key parts but i mean i mean you got to remember i mean like you know the impetus for this song was mike portnoy's mother being killed in a plane crash so there's not a lot of high happy like yay let's go conquer the day <laughs> like so you know it's it, well, I admit I had no idea what the song was about. <laughs> I'm like, I, songs. I don't know what they're about. They're just words to me. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get Rich Wilson on here, and you're going to ask questions like, what was it like to write a book? Yeah. <laughs> there'll be no content questions at all. <laughs> Brian, did you read my book? Well, yeah, but... There was like, uh, words and stuff in it. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I swear I legit didn't know that, but it makes sense. But still, it yeah. still has that vein of of, you know of uh what i was saying that dark brooding vein which is cool but that totally makes sense now too 
Okay. All right. So at number five, you had a change of seasons, and I had a view from the top of the world. So what do you have at number four? Uh, that's view from the top of the world. Okay. So now, now it's view for the top of the world for you. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we had him flip flopped. Okay. All right. Um, I thought you would have had this one a little bit higher. I I really thought you were going to have this one kind of higher up because you, you, you kind of talk about it a little bit more and more as, as we've discussed things offline. So, I mean, I think, I think I can guess your number one. But I really thought with the other things on the list that you would have this one higher than fourth. No. No, I couldn't really. <laughs> Look what's left, man. <laughs> well, it's we, no. we, we, we did have an argument about one of the ones on the list. So I, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I was I was a little I was a little surprised that, that you know you just put this at four. Um yeah. no, I think it's it sits perfectly. I mean that's that's like right in the middle. Okay. Yeah, Almost. I I I did I did debate back and forth between my number 4 and my number 5. Um again, like a view from the top of the world is such a, a cool microcosm of the new record in that, you know, when we interviewed Wayne about it and he said, "Oh, it's a grower." And it really is and the record it does keep growing on me and it continually grows and you know, I haven't had a chance to sit down and listen to it a ton like in a row like I have other records because, you know, we're busy listening to other stuff for the show. You know, I'm getting back ready to be busy with the band again, so I'm listening to crappy pop songs I have to cover. <laughs> like, you know, now I'm listening to all the Symphony X stuff. Uh, but, you know, the album as a whole has been growing on me, and A View from the Top of the World is doing the same thing. So I think it's an, it's a really cool microcosm of, you know, the View from the Top of the World record. For me... My number four, and I think you're going to agree with me completely that this should be, a, a, you know, in the middle of the list, uh, the Count of Tuscany. <laughs> so this was a really hard decision for me because number three and number four, I could, I could flip flop, you know, based on, on the day. It's like someone said, hey, you know, which one do you like better? Oh, I like this one or, you know, or, oh, I like Count of Tuscany. Um, again, my top five, I, I love all the songs and especially the top four. It's really getting into the realm of, yeah, there, there, I don't really have anything that I really don't get into. Um, by the way, I want to bring this up in the check because Giovanni Palaya brings up a really interesting point. He says, I consider a vision from the majesty demos as their first epic quote unquote, uh, I don't know. That's a for how young they were. It's a great song, and I enjoy a vision. But I think it doesn't qualify for what we're going for here, Giovanni. It's like, you know, I, I forget who said it up top, but it, it basically, you know, they said you feel like you watched a movie when the song's over, and I don't think you get that from a vision. And maybe that's just because of the length, or it's because of you know the the lack of production you know, on the majesty demos because there were demos on a four track, but um, I don't, I don't think that one would qualify. So JG <laughs> three, you're you mad lad. The count and his brother are greatly insulted by this underrating. <laughs> um, like, you know, JG three, man, like I say, like my top four, they're all phenomenal. So um, my first note is the only reason this is number four is because I think that that middle slow section it takes a little bit too long to get actually into it. 
Uh, it's it, I, I had I I started to go okay where are we going with this and then and then a little bit later it kicked in so I think that's what did it for me in this one um, but what I think is cool about this one Brian is that of anything on on this list this one is to me and maybe this is blasphemy to some people it's kind of like a mini astonishing. Like this is the one song of all their massive ones that kind of sticks to a standard song, uh, song structure, but it, it never really gets overly proggy for too long. But the story is like the central point of the song, which I think is really really cool because the other the other huge epics that we're talking about, a lot of it is based on you know all the ups and downs and the crazy instrumental and all that kind of stuff, and this is more about the story. Like when people think of the Count of Tuscany, they do think about the length. But I think a lot of people think about the story, the almost Edgar Allan Poe-ish aspect to it. Um, so I, I think that's really cool, and I think it makes it unique on this list. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely, well, when we, we were talking at the beginning, I said that there's two on here that that differ a lot from, and the first was Illumination Theory. This is the second one that differ a lot from the, the other songs on here. Uh, this is a perfect, like they were saying, this is a cinematic an audio cinematic masterpiece of a song yes like i don't even know what else i can say because <laughs> like <laughs> anyone who's listened to this show like four times has heard me talk about count of tuscany too many times so i don't even know what to say about it anymore or then it, it's awesome i don't have it at number four obviously i got it way higher <laughs> but uh yeah you know i mean those soaring string parts you know I, I understand what you're saying about that middle breakdown and i think the very first time i heard this song I loved it up until then. And I'm like, Oh man. And then when that was done, I was like, Oh my God, now it's going here. They're going here. They're taking the melody again and they're soaring even higher with it, you know, and they're doing even cooler stuff with it. And that's what sold me on just loving the song. But I can see how that middle part, you know, kind of annoys some people. It plays a lot better live too. Just like the other, the other stuff we talked about. Yep. Uh, JG3 says, and this is good because I had the same thing. He says, I remember when they first released the track listing for the new album, Black Clouds, and I saw the title, The Count of Tuscany, and thought, this is either going to be the worst thing ever or the best. I had the exact same reaction. I was like, oh, boy, what are we going to get with that, man? (laughs) Uh, Harrison Miller, good to see you, man. I don't think we've seen you in the chat before. Uh, He says, Count of Tuscany feels the most like a movie to me. I... I would completely agree with that. Um, you know, this the word cinematic definitely, you know, fits with this one. Uh, Kale McLeish? Think, uh, you said Edgar Allan Poe. That's a good... Uh, yeah, you know. well, that's how it feels. You know, the barrels yeah. of wine and stuff like that. Uh, Kale McLeish is throwing his hat into the ring for In the Presence of Enemies, which, you know, obviously we haven't gotten to yet on our lists, but we'll see if they're there. Uh, I say there, Brian, because you always counted as two songs, but... Let's face it, it's one song. Uh, he says, Presence is probably the heaviest of the epics. The content stays dark as hell. Dark Master is creepy. Slaughter of the Damned is my favorite single movement of any epic yet. All right. Well, we'll see We'll see if In the Presence of Enemies actually made the list here, because you know how Brian, Brian feels about that one. So, uh, All right, so moving on to number three. I have been trapped... In an octavarium. So this one and the Count of Tuscany are, are they could flip flop for me on any given day. I, I I love both of them so much. Uh but for Octavarium, 
I, I have the same complaint that I do about the Count of Tuscany in that I think the intro, uh, the continuum intro, it uh, it gets a little bit lengthy. It's kind of like, it's like, what, it's like four and a half minutes long or something. And I'm like, okay, like I'm ready to get into it. So I would I would do that. The reason that I, f- I have it that little bit ahead of Count of Tuscany is that Octavarium, like pretty much throughout, is is kind of a weird song, and you know I've I've been very vocal on this on this show in, in the past, saying that I like when Dream Theater gets weird, so I love that aspect of the song. Um, it I didn't realize this till today, but it's over twelve minutes before the song actually gets anywhere near like aggressive. It just stays slow and and yet you. Again, I mean, this song has been out since 2005. I've I saw it live twice. I never realized it till today. I'm like, man, when I started thinking about it, when is this going to kick in? And I looked down, and when it finally got a little bit busy, you know, it's like over 12 minutes long. So it's and after that, it's just like eight minutes of just beautiful prog greatness. So um, also, I'm a huge fan of the animation for this song that they did on the tour. Uh, it's on the score DVD. If you guys don't have it, go buy it or check it out online. It's phenomenal. I love the cartoon stuff they did for a couple tours. And, you know, I'm sure Adam Rishog will agree with me on this one. James doing that trapped inside this Octavarium is just awesome. So uh, it's got a great vocal to it. And so, yeah, I've I've got Octavarium as my number three. I'm trying to figure out when you do your when you're playing air guitar and making your guitar noises with your mouth, does that play better on video or audio? <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying, I'm trying to involve both platforms of listeners. Uh, right. uh, actually, I've got it at number three also. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I said before, I think it takes a little too long to get going. Okay. Now, this is a really cool song. I, I appreciate the melody and the craftsmanship and the musicianship on this, but it's weird. I never just like sit down and go, oh, I'm going to go listen to Octavarium. I don't know. It, as much as I appreciate it as a song, it's not one of my... I'd love to see this live because I'm pretty sure I never have. Um, They didn't play it on Gigantor, I'm, I'm guessing. That would probably be the only time. Um, But yeah, no. I, I never got to hear it live. Um, So I'd love to see it live. There's something weird about it. Like, it's a little too Pink Floydish at times. I think okay. um, the song really wants to be a combination of the Wall and I don't know what else, but uh, maybe some older ELP Kansas mellower stuff, which is fine. Um, I love that they. It's you know, I love that they took the, took on this challenge to do something like this. It's very very cool. You know, there's kind of nothing else in the catalog like it. So I, I like the you know, the adventurous side of them and, and wanting to write and do something like this. And that melody is like, just, you know, kind of hypnotic and haunting, you know, yeah, it, almost to the point of like, <laughs> it can put you to sleep because if you take five minutes to get into anything and then you take another 10 before it gets heavy or whatever, you know, you just keep hearing that melody over and over in your head. You can, you can kind of start dozing a little bit and it's just such a drone, but yeah, yeah, it's just a great piece of progressive music. Like, I don't know that I would want, bringing someone into dream theater i don't think this is where i'd want to start them with just because i think it is a little too like i said drone-ish i guess is the best word i can come up with for a lot of it yeah but uh, i think it sits good at number three well i think you know and you know on our most proggy dream theater songs that you know that we we would show people 
I don't think either either you or I had this, if I remember right. You know, probably because of the length, but um, you know, I I kind of like the mellow like all those influences you mentioned. I kind of like that about it. You know, that section where they're just like lit. You know, they made. A, a kind of a run-on lyric with all the, like the prog song titles. I thought that was really cool, and you know, and I think you know, I I think the word I would use rather than droning, I would say lull, because I think you're kind of into it. You're kind of like droning, kind of sounds like it annoys you, but I think this one just kind of lulls you into okay, you know, and you're you're kind of into that mellow vibe, and then all of a sudden, dun, 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 and then from there on, you're like, whoa, what, huh, huh? And you know, it's it's got some great guitar work in there. And I hate to just, stop you. You have to pull up JG 3s comment right now, literally. <laughs> <laughs> all right, which one? Which because because he's got, he's got several. So which last, one are we doing? Last one here. All right. He says, you know what Octavarium wants to be. This is JG three. You know what Octavarium wants to be, an ass kicking epic. And my ass is thoroughly sore. <laughs> oh my god, I love our chat. I really do. I'm sorry, I, I had to interrupt you for that one. That was like, <laughs> no, that's fine. That that is totally fine. I mean, there, there's a lot of love for Octavarium in the chat. You know, Giovanni Palaya. Giovanni Palaya says uh, Octavarium is perfection. Adam Rishog. He's with me. I, I knew he'd get into it because we've talked about it. He says, yes, John, one of his finest vocal moments. Octavarium is my number one, but y'all already knew that. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> Harrison Miller, Octavarium is the best song to queue up at a party. <laughs> Who wants to get medicated? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe Gebhardt says they put so much into the creation of this song. It has to be top three. And uh, Kale McLeish, she says, yeah, I agree. Octavarium is number three. Loses points for the opening keyboard solo, but the instrumentals between movements are amazing, and the solo is pu- uh, pure euphoria. Totally agree, man. Wait, let's uh, go back to the last comment. It has to be top three. You realize there's only six on here. It's got to be <laughs> top three out of the six. <laughs> it's got to be at least halfway good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. God, you guys in the chat are awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, so I think we are going to have the same number two, but I don't know for sure. So what do you have as number two on your list? I'm going to stun you. I have the Count of Tuscany as number two. (gasps) What? (laughs) No, you don't. You are lying about your list as we speak. No, I'm not. I am not. No well, kidding. I really, really thought about this. And even though we argue about what you're obviously going to know is my number one. Um, Yeah, I had to put this too. Really? It was tough. It was really, 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 really tough. Okay, so, all right. So explain why it's so high on your list. But without giving away, I mean, earlier told you all the great things about it. Okay, well, still, well, you really don't know how to podcast very well, do you? It's the same stuff you did earlier. No, uh, it's crazy that I know you you thought I would put this number one. Yeah, well, okay, then let me rephrase it then. How how did this not make your number one when this is based? This is the song that you have you have just absolutely been in love with. Ever since we started talking Dream Theater, you have been all about Count of Tuscany. You know, maybe I'm suffering Count of Tuscany burnout. Could that be possible? Oh, that could be. 
like that could be familiarity breeds contempt or something they say <laughs> by the way adam rishog just stole my joke i was i was gonna say that i haven't been this shocked in the last two weeks since the browns landed to sean watson and he says this is about as shocking as watson being the next browns qb <laughs> damn it adam <laughs> wow okay so anyways yeah so number two all right explain Without giving away your number one, which is probably pretty obvious at this point, but how it did not make number one. Man, it's easier to explain my number one as number one. I, I don't know. Um, you can do that if you truly, want. If you want to wait, it's truly an epic of an epic song. But the next song is two epics in one. Okay, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, I don't know. The more the more I hear, and even after we did our we did our deep dive on that last album, you know, obviously we're not giving this away at this point what the song is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna have to explain more. It's easier to explain when I get to my number one. Let's put it that way. Well, why don't we give your number one as I give my number two, which, unless I'm wrong, is the brilliant. In the presence of enemies, I absolutely love this song. Uh, since this, since this is you know my number two, I'll start, and then you can explain why it's your number one. Um, the, uh, you know, I I love the fact that it's it does blend together. You know, it, they do bring back you know the 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 melodic elements of the first half late in the second half, but it's man. It's like two different songs, even though when you listen to them back to back, it does blend together a little bit. But that Dark Master part and, you know, the most of part two, you're just like, man, what the hell? Like, it is, whew. It's like, you know, we were talking about, you know, on Systematic Chaos, you know, our deep dive. When you watch the documentary, Portnoy is like doing the lyrics, like, man, we've always needed this kind of stuff in our lyrics, you know, like, and this is an example of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, there's so much melody to it and yet there's so much darkness to it and it's 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 fantastical the lyrical content but it doesn't get cheesy and james does some great like heavy like usually his heavier vocals are reserved for that higher stuff like you know like we were just you know talking about trapped inside Octavarium and you know bringing back the screams from uh, uh, you know on, on illumination theory from awake it's stuff like that but this one you know it's like dog master oh, you know it's almost like a james hatfield and you don't get that a lot from him and, and there, there is just so much to this song, as as I said, in our deep dive, Jordan uses the moog, which is he he just needs to moog, moog the moog the, I'm gonna drop the f bomb, moog the fuck out of stuff at some point on a record, because I love his keyboard style and and I love the sound of a moog, and to hear Jordan just go into a moog solo would be great. So, um, yeah, so that is my number two. So getting to your number one. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I've got In the Presence of Enemies, part one and two, even though it's two songs. How did this... More. Shut up. With that. <laughs> All right, so how did how did this beat out? I'm going to tell Count you... Count of how, Tuscany for you. And I think I've told this before. You're coming off of Train of Thought 
which was heavy. And I admittedly said I kind of started losing some Dream Theater a little bit there. And Octavarium was was as cool as it was, you know, was such an undertaking and such an adventurous kind of a thing itself. The first song you hear on Systematic Chaos, the way it starts, the, you know, the drums and the guitar, everything is just going at one time. And it's like they're able to do this thing where it's heavy, it's progressive, it's intricate, but it's super melodic and they're mixing major and minor together. And, and you're just like, oh my God, it's just like this perfect ear candy. As much as I think kind of Tuscany is huge ear candy, and it is like, I don't know, there's just something about this. I may have to go back and look at what we had for our, for our number one opening songs. And I don't know if I did have this number one. I need to move it up there now. Like, I don't know, just that first like two, three minutes before the vocals even come in, the vocals are great on this. It's just like, you're just like, okay, this is the dream theater that I really, really loved to fell in love with. And we talked before about how they have, couple, they have a couple of these sort of different periods of how they, how they do things and how it changes up and, this was just a return to like, man, this is just a kick-ass progressive rock album. Boom, right away, just nailing you with killer riffs and 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 great drumming. And then the vocals are awesome when it comes in. And, you know, and it doesn't let up for the first 12 minutes or whatever it is, is 12, 13, I think it is. And then you got the second part too, you know, which which is has those cool heavy parts. And then you revisit everything from part one again and then the last three to four minutes. I mean, it's awesome, man. I mean, so I when I factored in all of those different things and the feeling of when I first heard this, because I will admit the first time I heard Count of Tuscany, I thought it was pretty cool, but I wasn't as gaga as I am over it now. You know, that, that was more of a grower on me, I think, as cool as the parts were, whereas this was just like, bam. I mean, this just nailed me right away. And then to find out, oh, man, they're going to revisit the same stuff on another you know, song at the end and stuff. I had to put this one. and That's why. Okay. I, see, I get that. Like, again, the, the, Count of Tuscany is the song that you've gone the most crazy for since I've known you. You know, in 2010, when we were down in Columbus, uh, you know, at the Newport, and when they went into those chords, you about lost your shit. You were like, yeah. "Oh my god, yeah!" Like Count of Tuscany. Like that's one of my. That's one of my. Honestly, like, like one of my favorite concert memories of of all time because it's like it's always fun to see somebody you're with really getting into it, and that was like one of my most vivid memories of going to any show I've been to is you just like, Holy crap. Count of Tuscany. Song. I did not think we would get that song. I just thought there's no way. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and granted it was that tour, but right. I mean, they were pulling some weird stuff out at that show and that was the weirdest. So yeah, that, but I, I completely, completely agree with you in, it, because sometimes the feeling that you get off of it, you know, the, the circumstances surrounding a song you know, they kind of bump it up over a song you might like better musically, you know, and the example that I'll use, you know, in, in you know, I, I do have a Star Wars podcast. It's called the Nerf Herder Council every other Wednesday at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but my, f you know, the best Star Wars movie to me is Empire Strikes Back, followed a very close second by Rogue One. But my favorite Star Wars movie is Revenge of the Sith. Because it was the first time I'd been to opening day of a Star Wars movie with my brother, uh, my younger brother's three years younger than me, since uh, 1983, Return of the Jedi. And we were smack dab in the middle of the theater for the midnight showing. This was back when you could still wear all, do all your cosplaying and bring the lightsabers and blasters and all that stuff. So it was like a gigantic parking lot full of nerds. And we were smack in the middle of the main theater at midnight. 
And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, for the first time, you know, in, God, what was it, like 22 years or whatever it was, um, you know, with my younger brother experiencing that again. And so for me, there's that emotional connection to Revenge of the Sith. And, I, you know, so to your point, that you know, I, I, I totally get why you would have that for in the presence of enemies. I'm just really surprised because I thought that your love of Counter Tuscany would have superseded that. But... Uh, Man, that that's a shock. That is that is a shock. <laughs> Robert Houston, shameless plug, John. Yes, Robert, that is exactly correct. That is a shameless plug. Yeah, I'm allowed to. It's shameless. <laughs> plug, all right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's hey, you know, it's my show. I can plug what I want. <laughs> so my number one, and uh, I think Kale McLeish will agree here. I'll let I'll let him intro this. Uh, Kale's number one. Likely biased because it's the only one I've seen live, A Change of Seasons. Perfect song, beautiful lyrics. The huge curly riff at the end of Darkest Winter is completely mind-shattering. And Kale, I agree with you. My number one is A Change of Seasons. First of all, it is my favorite of the epics, but also, man, it, it, is, it, is, the, it is the standard by which all Dream Theater epics have been judged since it came out. It's just perfect. You know, I mean, I think had a change of seasons not worked so well with the fan base, I don't think they would have taken the chance to do more songs that are like 23, 22, you know, 24 minutes. Because if people are like, oh my God, this is boring, stop doing that. You know, they pay attention to their fans more than almost any band I can think of. And if the fans had said, all right, well, this is a little too much for us, they wouldn't have done it. But because there was this massive reaction to it, and I mean, a change of seasons is actually a fan reaction in and of itself because they had they had played it live a few times before they recorded it, and people were like, "What the hell is this gigantic song we're seeing live?" And so it kind of spread on the very early, you know, versions of you know internet chat boards and stuff like that. Um, oh, it's a change of seasons. That's what it's called. And so, you know, it was rec- it was written for the images and words record. The label wouldn't let them put it out because it would have made it a double record. And but people wanted to hear it. So they're like, all right, well, you know, we're gonna do this. And it was the band kind of forced it on the label. Like at some point you're gonna let us do this. Like, okay, okay. And so they put this thing out, and sure, there's like the super diehards that were there from the very beginning that knew what it was, but you know, the rest of us were like, the heck is this? You know, there's a bunch of covers in this one 24-minute song. And I don't think that again. It, they would not have done any more gigantic songs like this if this song had not worked. So it's the blueprint. It's beautiful in every way to me. Brian, I mean, you said earlier that you think it's dark the whole time. And it definitely is. But again, it, you, know, the, the, you know, the impetus is Mike Portnoy's mother dying in a plane crash. And, you know, the Carpe Diem sees the day thing is, you know, he, he had been fighting with his mom. They weren't getting along. And he went to school that day. And his, you know, his teacher was talking about seize the day you know if you love somebody tell them this you know don't you know don't wait for tomorrow type of a thing and so he he went home and his mom was going on a plane trip that night uh, on a private plane and he's like hey ma i love you and she's like what the hell yeah i love you too like they, it kind of felt like a bonding moment and then she was killed in a plane crash that night so uh very strong emotional content there for portnoy but it is you know as he's talking about this it's it's heavy so there's not a lot of light to the song, but there's a ton of melody. I mean, like the verses are almost like choruses for any other band. 
So I just think like I love the heaviness of it. I I do love the darkness of it. I, I just everything just flows together so beautifully. So for me, this is you know one of those songs. If I if I got it at, at almost every show I saw, because I might get some burnout like you did with kind of Tuscany. I, so I'll say almost every song. Um, man, I'd be happy. I'd be happy getting this pretty much any time. You know that that I saw the band. I I think it's fantastic. Didn't um, they want to put this on the first? Yeah, or second, yeah this was, was it the first album. Yeah, it was no, it was images and words. Yeah, the second. And the the labels like, there's no way it'll be a double record. We're not releasing your first album with us with as a double record. And so they said, all right, well, that's fine. But you know, you have to put it out at some point. And they were like, okay, so you know, that's <laughs> well, you know what. <laughs> Hold on, Gibson Les Paul. <laughs> First, John couldn't go a show without mentioning Van Halen's kid, and now it's Star Wars. All right, Gibson, you dick. Then here's another thing. Did you know, Brian, that 36 years ago today, March 24th, 1986, Van Halen's first record with Sammy Hagar was released, 5150, which is an absolute classic. So up yours, Gibson. You know, Gibson, you should be a little bit more appreciative, man. We did a whole show based on your reaction or your your request. And yet you're still bashing me, so screw you, Gibson. So, anyways, back to the back to the point. <laughs> um, I remember yeah. hearing. What did you think the first time you heard uh, Sammy singing that? I was like, it was just weird to me. I ended up totally loving the album, but it sounded so bizarre hearing, you know, this Van Halen stuff <laughs> with Sammy singing. I don't know. It was the weirdest sensation. I like. I just remember going, "Wait, they're gonna do what?" And then I heard when the single came out, I was like. This is so bizarre. Well, we'll talk about this for a split second because okay. that's a whole other thing. But <laughs> I, lo- I loved it. I, d- dude, when I was 10, so, yeah. I, you know, for me, like uh, the first, uh, you know, the, the album that got me into music period was 1984. Eddie Van Halen just floored me. And so I had only heard the one record and then the next one came out and I was like, oh, this is great too. So I, I was right at that. I had one Dave record and one Sammy record and all I was okay. listening for was guitar. So... Um, so, all right. So Adam Rishog brings up a good question. While there's no doubt that a change of seasons is an incredible piece of music, I wonder if it greatly benefited from being a standalone original song on an EP of covers. Imagine hearing it after eight songs of images and words. To me, it would have lost its oomph. Yeah, I agree. That was the, that was a point I wanted to make. That was the best decision a record company has ever made in their life was to not put that on there. It now would, it would not have fit. It would not have made any sense, and it's perfect the way they ended up doing it. I, now, let, let me rephrase the question. Imagine they had done that, like, let's say Images and Words came out, like, 15 years later after they had, like, you know, five, six records under their belt. Would you still have accepted it? I, I think it would be totally different based on the release date because, you know, that's the whole world's, like, first impression of Dream Theater was Images. Yeah. So, so I think when you get through it, you're like, yeah. And then to throw on something like that, I, I think it would kind of be like, you know, what you had said about the self-titled record. Um, you know, when you said you got this whole record of one thing, and then all of a sudden here comes Illumination through, like, what the hell? I think it's kind of like that with images and words because that was the first time that you know the world had been really like exposed to Dream Theater. But I think they'd done something like that later. Where it's just prog, 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 prog. Here's 24 minutes. Like I, I think we would have accepted it a little more. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, 
Are you saying it wasn't accepted at the time? I guess I'm confused. No, no, I'm, I'm saying in '92, to your point, it wouldn't have oh. been accepted. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, and to your and Adam's point, it wouldn't have been accepted because you're like you get you you know you get through learning to live, and you're like, holy crap, wow! Yeah, no, and then it's, like, oh, there's 24 minutes to go. <laughs> like, yeah, and well, and it just doesn't fit like that. that you know, that's a really kind of a, a bright, sort of ethereal, almost you know, type of an album. Like, and this is this is so dark and brooding. You know, in, in a lot of the parts. And especially, the, too. especially the subject matter, like, you know, like you said, now that I know, which I did read the book, but you know, if I read a book and it's been more than three months, I can't remember two pages of it. <laughs> <laughs> but when we do have the author on, I'll reread, I'll reread the dream theory book, which I did. read. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, that was a, that was a smart decision on the record company. Like, look, we're not putting this on here. And I don't know if it was made after they already had the entire album done or it'd be interesting, I guess, to find out. Yeah, was, was was images and words already totally recorded, and they're like, "Hey, we want to put this on too," and then they're like, "No," or was it they're halfway done and we want to, we want to put this on, and they're like, "No." <laughs> now, to my to my understanding, it was ba- it was we got this other song, and they're like, "No, we're not doing that." Okay, so that makes you know, sense. Um, so Adam Rishog, I'm going to correct you on something. He says also. Imagine change of sea. Oh, never mind. Sorry, I mis- misread your comment. He says, also, imagine change of seasons with the images and words production. Triggered drums. Ew. Um, I don't have a problem with the triggered drums on images. I think it fits with the rest of the sound. It definitely would not have. Man, that's hard. Like, because, I mean, there's no seven string on images. So, I mean, would, would the- I don't know. That that's a, That's a good one, Adam. That's a good one. I, I'll have to think about that one a little bit more. Uh, man, we're, we're getting some Van Halen comments. Uh, Aiken, our buddy Aiken says, totally agree with Brian on 5150. It took a few spins to get it. You guys are a little older than me, so you had more experience with Van Halen than I did at the time, so I'll, I'll defer to you on that. Uh, JG3 says, was it weird hearing Van Halen sung by a good singer? <laughs> <laughs> He's a David Lee Ross, shots fired. <laughs> Oh, I thought they were talking oh. about Gary Sharon. That the <laughs> <laughs> must be some kind of way. Anyway, uh, yeah. So there we go, man. That that's our list. Um, oh, I forgot one quick point, Brian. That I'm sure you'll agree with on Change of Seasons, even though you had it way down your list. It, it was the first time we got to hear Derek Sharinian. Yep. And that's one thing I noticed when I heard it. I was like, "Well, this sounds a little different. Like, what is that?" So that. That was kind of cool too. It's our our first taste of Derek Sherinian and the way that he played and stuff like that. So that was that was cool. Um, so why don't why don't we dig into something here real quick that people have been asking? We got a couple things to address that people have been talking about in the chat, and and the main one is six degrees of inner turbulence. So. We went back and forth about adding this or not adding this to the list. And I'll let you go first. Why did you not want this one on the list? Uh, because I think everything in in that uh, suite, whatever you want to call it, they're all different, unique songs. Even though they're supposed to be telling this kind of story together, it's still kind of trying to be cohesive. They're all so different um that for this exercise i don't think it would have made any sense because we would just we would just put it number one anyway (laughs) like there's there's no way in the world that's that's not going to be number one most likely right i mean would you have had it at number one i would have have to yeah i mean for the just the masterpiece that it is now five or two years ago before we started this podcast no because i was 
I you know I really never dug in that deep to that album, but I, I absolutely love that album though. And I, okay. I, love, I love that piece of music, and I think it's absolutely perfect. And I think it's similar to kind of how I was, I was describing in the presence of enemies. The more I dig into it, like it's just got everything you want, you know. And then and then every song has has a sort of its own unique stamp on it. And it's like you're trying to compare like seven songs now to you know that are in one to <laughs> to six to five others or six others. And I just for this exercise, I don't think it made sense. Yeah, I, I'm i going to shock you with this. You had it as number one. I, I actually did put it somewhere on my list. I made sure to rank it. I had it number two. I still would have put A Change of Seasons number one just because wow. that one is like is like Dream Theater. I, mean, I knew you loved that one, but I didn't know it was to the level of a falling into infinity type of. Oh, yeah. It's it's thing. up there for you me. You and man. man. You got something going. Dude, I, dude you know what's funny? So. <laughs> I, I wish so I, I'm trying to get some recording software on my computer because I like not to release stuff like unless I can finish full songs. I mean, which I'm not really good at, but I, I want to get back to writing music and putting stuff together. So I'm I'm gonna get like the the Petrucci, the neural neural DSP plugin and you know, some drum plug just to write music. And Sherinian keeps advertising on on his Twitter and his, his social media, like, hey, send me MP3s, I'll play on your stuff. And man, if I had recording software, I would want to write like a theme song like to replace the actual dream theater music that goes on the audio version of our podcast. Right. And I would, I would want to write something and send it to him and have him just do like, just solo the crap out of it and be like, so our, our show intro actually has a dream theater member playing on it. Like, like that'd be the greatest thing, but yeah, send, I mean, send it to him, then send it to Portnoy and then send it to Dominici, like every one of the ex members. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all the ones on the theme song. Right. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, you can get him to do it. Right. Charlie might. Charlie might. Who Dude, we might be able to get Charlie on the show. We should try that one. I mean, our buddy Aiken, I mean, he's he's talked to Charlie several times. Maybe we can get an interview with Charlie Dominici. We'll see. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean the Derek Sherinian thing, yes, I do love Derek Sherinian, but back to six degrees. Um, yeah, I had it at number two because the change of seasons is perfect, but I I t- I after thinking about it, I tend to agree with you. It's it's so big and so epic. And I think, you know, Robert Reams, I think, kind of says it best. He says, Six Degrees is multiple songs. It's the epic where they take individual songs and can play them standalone. No other epic is like that. And I I would yeah. agree with that. Like I it is listed as one song, and I know on score it's listed as one song. And it this this gets into you know the second thing I wanted to bring up like talking about songs with movements, um, and I I just as much as I wanted to include it you know I, you talked me out of it and I think rightly so. So yeah I I do love it though it's fantastic I will say I will say I'm surprised that you would have had it at number one. Like I know that you you gained a new appreciation for Six Degrees, but I'm surprised you would have had it up there. Yeah, I had to. You know, to go back to that point though, you can. <laughs> it's it's a double edged sword because, like you said, you can play separate songs just from it. But as we saw when we went to the concert, <laughs> people get pretty damn pissed <laughs> when you start out with, you know, about to crash or whatever, and then we don't follow that up with. <laughs> With everything else you know what i mean like i knew yep. i didn't think we'd get the you know the the, pre, the 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 true intro or whatever but it's like i don't know we we just had we talked about before we had this 
we thought for some reason there was a chance, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. We, we just thought, and then when we only got, we're like as happy as we were to get that. We're like, I don't know. We're, we're like, you know, kids that are ungrateful at Christmas, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's a great analogy. Yeah, four presents instead of seven, you know, or something, like, <laughs> second, you know, you're the one that kept giving the good nice presents. So I'm expecting more, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, I, 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 I mean, to your point, I was one of them. You know, when they went into about to crash, you know, I was I was there like, oh, my God, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. And they like, didn't. I was not, like, it's not going to happen. I knew it. I, I just <sighs> did not. We kept doing the math. <laughs> They're not yeah. going to do it. They don't have time. There's no way. <laughs> so before we before we get to our second point, you know, to end the show, I have to ask, did you cheat? I forget if I asked you this. Did you cheat and, and, and check out set lists before we went to the show? No, I didn't cheat. I just happened to literally like the second day of the concert, I was on Blabbermouth or something, and I was just like scrolling down, and I'm like, uh, "Count of Tuscany, what?" Uh, and then I'd saw, I literally like also before I even knew what happened, I'd seen like uh, "Endless Sacrifice," "Count of Tuscany." Those were the two. Uh, yeah, those okay. were the two non-new ones. So I did not know that they were playing this, but from what you had said, what you'd heard from Wayne, right? He yeah. tipped you off that it was going to be all all long epic songs. So then you and I are like, I wonder if they would do it. And then they started yeah. it. And so, no, I did. I did not cheat. Okay. All right. L- look at this. Kale says, I think they announced they're playing the full six degrees on the Australian leg of the view tour. <laughs> He's just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Kale, stop. Yeah. If, if it was true. Australians out there. Yeah. <laughs> if that was true, Kale would be basically like pontificating on a rant right now about how bad he has to get to one of the shows. So. <laughs> JG three. When you're getting to rock out to war inside my head, but you get Ministry of Lost Souls. We already crying face emoji. Don't even. uh, (laughs) Don't even. You need to put my pick uh, my face on that emoji right there. Yeah. Uh, Adam Rishog brings up a good point. He says to counter Robert's point, they took parts of Change of Seasons and played that live without playing the complete suite. Same with Presence of Enemies. Okay. Wait. Wait. When did they? Oh. Okay. Th- see, that's a weird one, Adam. Because like to say, same with presence of enemies. Or, there's two parts of it. Whereas with change of seasons, they kind of chopped it up on the on the, you know, uh, once in a lifetime record. So, um, uh, Kale McLeish. There isn't actually an Aussie leg either. I'm aware <laughs> of that, Kale. Good lord. That's what we were. Man, Kale. Jeez. They're gonna come play in my living room. Rumor. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so to end the show, let, let's bring up why we didn't choose certain things, and those would be the songs with movements. And I think the main one to bring up, and this is for Kale because I, you know he was real close with this, um, a mind beside itself. I, I, when he mentioned that, I was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's you know, Erotomania, voices and Silent Man. On Awake. I know you love Awake, Brian. Come on. Yeah. The look on your face just says, huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, Erotomania is not. How no. Is it? It's again. Well, and this is why, Kale, because like nerd fans know that as a mind beside itself. But. Oh, OK. Not it's it's people see that as three separate songs. Yeah. So it's, you know. Not many people will say, oh, play A Mind Beside Itself, you know, whereas they will say, play Metropolis, which has movements, or play Trial of Tears, which has movements, you know, stuff like that. It's well, hell, that's a little the, different. The 12-step suite, right? I mean, <laughs> if oh. we're going to go that far. Yeah. 
and Joe Gebhardt. That's more like a tribal knowledge epic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, Kale, but that one just is not like props to you on your fan cred. And, you know, we're with you on that. Like, we, we know what, you know, Mind Beside Itself is, but that just did not fit. You know, and, you know, to circle back around to the beginning, Brian, you know, when you and I talked about this, we were kind of not on the same page. And yet when we started to think of the songs we wanted to put into this, when you really think about the six songs that we put on our list, they, when you say them to yourself and you think about other songs, they just feel different. I will. There's two that I think we craft the bet on. Well, one's right. for sure. Well, let's see. Robert Reams, he brings up a comment. Let's see if he nails what you're looking for. So he says, In the name of God, a mind beside itself, breaking all illusions and trial of tears, I don't consider epics like the six used in this ranking. I completely agree with you, Robert. In the name of God is just a long song. A Mind Beside Itself, people don't really know it's called that unless you're really into dream theater. Breaking All Illusions, great song. Not as long as the others. Trial of Tears does have movements, but again, that and that's my favorite dream theater song of all time, but I don't see it in the same category as the six that we ranked tonight. So, all right, Brian, the, the, the floor is yours. Cinematic, epic, amazing song we both love, over 16 minutes nightmare okay. to remember there's really no it's hard to separate that from something like count of tuscany they're very 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 similar to me i think we dropped the ball on not including that That's all right I all right I, I i will disagree with you only because i, I turn st- your mic off <laughs> <laughs> i got muted um it's very 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 close but I still see that one as a long song, whereas I see Count of Tuscany as like epic. Um, man. Uh, all right. You know, you know what? Let, let's do an experiment. <laughs> Instead of six songs, we've got seven. Where would you put A Nightmare to Remember? Out of seven. Oh, out of seven. Let's see if I was being honest. God, I'd probably put it pretty high. I'd probably put it maybe four. (laughs) That's exactly where I had it for myself. Yeah, I'd put, even though I I actually like that in Count of Tuscany, or even I like that and what do I have here? No. Yeah, I think I'd be four. Yeah, I have seven would be Illumination Theory. Six would be a view from the top of the world. Five would be Count of Tuscany, and then four would be A Nightmare to Remember. If yeah, it, it's, it's in the middle there. I think, and we talked about Glass Prison, too, which that one's, I'm not quite as, I just think of that as like a heavy kind of bashing song, you know, just a heavy, 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 I'm trying to think of what the word is here. Brutal. <laughs> well, now let me ask you a question, though, because... Nightmare is like what sixteen minutes long, and I, Glass yeah. Prison is like thirteen something, if I remember right. Yeah. Are you thinking of them in different terms, not because of the song length, but because Nightmare to Remember has that mellow part in the middle, so it has that super heavy, really mellow, like that really that big dip in terms of like the feel of it. 
Yeah, because, I, I mean, I, Glass Prison just goes and goes and goes and goes. Yeah, and goes. yeah, yeah. So the yeah, it, so that's probably a reason why I wouldn't want Glass Prison in there. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay, yeah, I mean, you 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 you're taking on a really cool ride on Nightmare to Remember. You know, it's like a you know you know it's it's like a journey. Um, okay. Yeah, on second thought, Glass Prison would be would be a no. Okay. So yeah, I think we approach this good. I mean, I do what I always do, like when you come up with something and then I say no and then you say no, I just give in because I'm afraid you're just gonna pout about it. So little <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes politics here. Oh what my John lord, wants, what John gets. Oh, little 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 behind the scenes lies. <laughs> We're gonna have to do this. Okay. Oh my god, you are terrible. You are absolutely I, I hate you as a co-host right. so much. I, you know, full disclosure, what I said is only like ninety five percent true. <laughs> Dude, look at look at JG three, the, the the AA suite doesn't count as anyone's number one epic. <laughs> Wait a minute, oh. Sarcasmo just got permanently banned. We've tried to ban him before. Look at this seventh, if yeah, not twentieth. Yeah. yeah, he says seventh, if not twentieth. Nightmare is such a forgettable song. When I saw them live, they played it, and I didn't even recognize it. Dude, I love that he's our resident troll. I know he's full of crap. I would bet that if we met, we're, we're going to be at a show sometime, Brian. We're going to announce like, oh, like on future legs, like tours, we'll be like, yeah, we're going to be in Chicago at this date. Some dude's going to run up to us as like the biggest, most insane dream theater nerd ever, ever. And he's going to go, dude, I'm Sarcasmo Asholio. That's me. I'm him. And he, he's going to just be like the coolest, like nerdy dude ever. But online, he's just an absolute troll. Like we a total bot. The, who's the dude we had on the fan, fan hangout? Uh, me say f you. Oh, yeah. I thought these were the same person. I thought it was someone that keeps changing their thing. Yeah, no, that's a horrible take. This guy's so dumb. He'd finish like fifth in a four-person contest for being smart. <laughs> oh my god! All right, here we here we go. We've we've got another challenge from Gibson Les Paul. He's feeling himself because we did one show for him. He says next show rank these six songs: Vacant, Repentance. Anna Lee, Beneath the Surface, Ministry of Lost Souls, Light Fuse and Get Away. I can actually do that live. Anna Lee is number one. Light Fuse and Get Away is number two. That's for the best? Uh, yeah, from number one to six, like best to worst. I would say Anna Lee is number one. Light Fuse and Get Away is number two. Uh, um, Ministry of Lost Souls is third. Vacant is fourth. Beneath the surface is fifth and vacant is sixth. Yeah, you're way off there. No. I'd probably have Annalie, Beneath the Surface, Vacant, uh, Ministry, Repentance, and Light Fusing Getaway. Wow. Well, Guys, no, you know, no, I'll put I'll put Repentance last. I was going to say, how, dude, the fact that you put anything, <laughs> like Repentance of anything, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad, bad take, my friend. Look look at this sarcasm ass holy O'Brien. You could go see him. He says, Come to Jersey, bitches. Since you're gonna be going to New York City to hang out with Gibson Les Paul, you could you you can go a little bit further and go hang out with Sarcasmo ass holio in Jersey. Brian's going on tour. We're officially we're gonna schedule a talking into infinity world tour for Brian, and it's gonna include three cities Cincinnati, New York City, and wherever the hell in Jersey Sarcasmo's at. <laughs> Everyone's getting the impression that I'm exciting to hang out with. You can set the record straight on that. Right. <laughs> uh, apparently, I messed up. Uh, Carl McLe or Carl, Jesus, I'm I'm like slurring my <laughs> slurring my chat members. Kale McLeish says, "How can vacant be fourth and sixth, John? Look, Kale, I was doing it on the fly. Okay, 
it's sixth. Just trust me. It's. I want to get on my soapbox and defend "Vacant," a song which I've gone off on before. Oh, I actually wow. don't have. A, I don't have a problem with the song itself. I just think it's totally bizarre to be on the album that it's on, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever in my mind. But then wow. was it Gail or someone hipped us to it's supposed to supposedly the intro to the next song, which I stream of consciousness. Yeah. Is that what's next? Yeah. Yeah. Or someone someone tried to insinuate that, and I think I shot that down pretty quick because it it doesn't feel like that at all to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, it just it just doesn't. I don't know what it's doing on there. I guess I just I don't. I'm not understanding. Man, so without getting too windy here, we're we're starting to get into the crazy part of the show. We've got a lot of questions. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna post these questions and say we are very close to scheduling. Our next fan hangout. If you guys were at the fan hangout back in December, I believe it was December 23rd. Uh, you guys know that we just go and go and go. And you guys are more than welcome to jump on camera and co-host with us. We don't have a topic. We just have discussion about Dream Theater or anything musical. And we just roll. Uh, there will be Gorilla Farts. I think that is officially a uh, that's that's a. A fan hangout tradition, I guess. I'll have to do more gorilla farts. Uh, Brian, we should we should have you do a gorilla fart next time. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce our our lovely uh, audience to some of the the interesting cocktail mixes that I've come up with here, the concoctions <laughs> that I've showed you pictures on my phone with. I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Hendrickson's horrible bar. Yeah, exactly. All right. How how to like get pretty plastered for like five bucks or less? Five Maybe. bucks. You're 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 moving up, man! Wow, you're well, going top shelf. That, that's after tax. Well, I don't know. I don't even want to know what the hell some of those stuff is going to cost nowadays. But uh, but yeah, I think that's what I'll do. Is I'll bring I'll do two or three of my different, uh, you know, Hendrickson's ghetto concoctions, whatever you call. There we go. Hen- Hendrickson's horrible bar and gorilla farts. So yeah, there you go. We'll do that. All right, we we need we need to get that actually scheduled. We'll, right. we we got to schedule our next. I I know we're 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 close to finding a date. Rumor has it this is a maybe because our schedule's kind of getting wonky because of certain things that might be coming up. But uh, Friday, May twentieth, might be the next fan hangout. So we'll let you guys know. But I like to announce those way in advance so that everybody can jump in and send us your email address. And if you guys want to host, you can jump in. But here, here's some here's some questions that we have. Uh, well, here's a comment. Uh, Joe Gebhardt says sarcasmo is John Mayung. He gets his opinion out there without releasing his identity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! So, all right, that JG. John, that means John Myung secretly hates uh, a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of their own. <laughs> yeah, <songs. laughs> that's true. John Myung's just collecting the paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> so, JG three says, "So, is you not me actually a good song, John, or is the rest of the album so good it outweighs the mediocrity of you not me?" JG three, we're gonna have to fix your spelling, dude. Um. I actually really enjoy You Not Me. You Not Me is actually a song that was co-written by Desmond Child. So there's a little factoid. Uh, but the chorus that they wrote, the notes were too difficult for James to hit because the melody was too wonky. So they had to adjust it when they got in the studio just because they wrote something there's no way James is going to be able to hit, Like I would assume due to how high it was or something. Um, so it is a little different vocally from what Desmond Child had written with John Petrucci. Uh, here we go. Gibson Les Paul Testament at Starland Ballroom in New Jersey on April 30th. Everyone be there. So if you're listening to the show, 
tonight live or if you're listening to the audio replay and you're going to Testament at the Starland Ballroom in New Jersey on April 30th, just walk around and scream, Gibson Les Paul, Gibson Les Paul. And I'm sure he'll know exactly who you are. So do that. Uh, JG3 feels that vacant is an intro to stream of consciousness. Kale McLeish, he says, you not me isn't great. You or me is the way it should have been. Disagree with you there. Uh, JG3 posted uh, gifts of a gorilla farting. So, <laughs> that'll, that'll translate well to the, the podcast on the radio, too. And then he said, oh, yeah. farts out for Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, yeah, so that's the kind of uh, awesome content you'll get in our fan hangout. But, uh, yeah, so... One quick thing in the fan hangout, then we'll close up shop here. But yeah, guys, when we do the fan hangout, we'll we'll give you guys plenty of time uh, so that you know when you can schedule it. We we do it on a Friday, so it's on a weekend, so everyone can kind of hang out. Don't have to worry about working the next day unless you have a weekend job, of course. But uh, we do encourage you guys uh, to send us an email at talkingintoinfinity at gmail dot com. If you guys want to jump on camera and help co-host the show, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about music wise. Um, you guys, again, in the chat, make the show go. So we always want to make sure you guys are a big part of what we do. So when we do the fan hangout, jump on. Again, there is no time limit to that one. And we just kind of go and go and go and go. If you want to hear what it's like, we do have the audio version available and the video version on YouTube and wherever you download your audio podcast. So you can check that one out from back in December. Uh, Brian, this was awesome. I know you were a little bit worried about this one. You were like, how are we going to get through an episode with only six songs that we've already talked about in some some respect? But uh, I thought it was a great discussion. And as usual, our chat room always pulls through, man. Yeah, I'm glad we had a lot of good comments on this stuff and uh, looking forward to uh, what we got coming up. Yep. Our next episode is going to be, let me think of the dates. It will be Thursday, April 7th, and we are going to be revisiting an episode that we tried to do. It is the lost episode of Talking Into Infinity. We are doing Best Guitar Moments for those of you guys who have tuned in for a lot of episodes, which at this point, this is over half of our episode list previously. Thank you so much for checking us out for that long. Uh, my power went out, and Brian had to kind of roll on his own. So the video is up on our YouTube channel, but the audio we did not upload because we didn't get through the full thing. So we waited a while, but we're going to get into it, and I'm going to make sure that the power grid is nice and strong here. <laughs> uh, we are going to do best guitar moments on our next episode, which will be Thursday April 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, man, Brian, again, great time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for all the great input. I cannot believe you did not have Count of Tuscany at number one. That's amazing. I live to surprise you. That's the only reason <laughs> I exist. That's awesome. Well, the night before April 7th, we will be on April 6th, which is when we are recording our Symphony X discography discussion episode. So guys, when that goes live, we'll let you know. Make sure you check out discography discussion. It's a fantastic show. Any number of bands. They've got over 230 or 40 at this point. You can check it out. Look up any band you can think of. They're there. So check out our buddies at Discography Discussion. So to Kale McLeish, Adam Rishog, Joe Gebhardt, Tom Cullen, uh, man, Robert Reams, Sarcasmo, all you guys. Thank you so much in the chat. You guys make this thing happen. So thank you so much. We will see you guys in a couple weeks. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube, click that like, click that subscribe button so you know when we are going live next. And until next time on Thursday, 
April 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Carpe diem. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater podcast. Just wanted to remind you that we want you to be a part of the show. If you give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T podcast, we post the schedule of when we are recording the show live. It is a streaming video platform on our Facebook and YouTube pages, and it has a live chat feature where you can comment on the show, ask questions, and we can bring your remarks up on the screen and have you drive the conversation. So again, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at T-I-I-D-T podcast, and come hang out with us and be a part of the show. Thanks again and carpe diem.